I'm Michael Jonas from Commonwealth Magazine. This week on the podcast, what's it like to be in charge of the state's biggest city during a global pandemic? It's life and death. And the decisions we make have to be quick. Uh, they have to be precise and they have to be, and you can't second guess it. and You can't worry about what people are going to say. That's Boston Mayor Marty Walsh. I had a chance to talk to him about the enormity of the challenge. I also got to hear what his day is like, from back-to-back meetings and conference calls to what he does to unwind. Governor Charlie Baker recently trashed the Netflix series Ozark. It turns out the mayor is a big fan. We also learned that the week before last, the mayor was tested for coronavirus and coronavirus antibodies. His physician recommended it because of his regular contact with essential city employees. Results of the antibody test were still pending on Friday. We were happy to hear the test for the virus was negative. Mayor Marty Walsh, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me today. So we're beginning to reopen the state. And, uh, and I'm just wondering how you're viewing everything. Do you think we're, uh, we're, we're at a good place to be doing that? And is the worst of this behind us? Um, I'll start with the last. I, I do not think the worst is behind us. I, I still think it's in front of us. I think that um, as we had to adjust in the last um, 10 weeks to shutting things down and, and, and self-isolation and, and physical distancing and, and all of that um, over the last 10 weeks, as we go back to um, going to work and in kind of the, the new normal, if you will, uh, we still have to work around the clock to st- stop the spread. Uh, we still have to be protective of the most vulnerable folks among us, uh, support families and seniors. I mean, that, that's something that's going to be key. Um, the study we did with Mass General kind of told us that um, roughly 10% of our population has had coronavirus or um, antibodies for coronavirus. So I'm going to round it up. So that still says about 600,000 people in Boston, not Massachusetts, in Boston, still haven't had the virus. So as they go back to work, um, they still have the, 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 the vulnerability to, to uh, getting the virus and spreading the virus. So we have to be very careful. Um, I think the governor's approach to it uh, being um, phased in uh, is really important. And I think that we have to continue to, to be gradual of, of that phasing in. Um, and we also have to keep eyes on the like, hospitalization and things like that uh, to make sure that if we get a second surge, we don't overload our hospitals and, and have, have further people losing their life. And you've expressed earlier this week a little concern about sort of going too fast. You've worried that even Boston's had sort of a one-week delay in uh, compared to the rest of the state for offices opening, but then you said you were concerned that even this statewide uh, ceiling of, of letting offices return with up to 25% of their usual capacity, that might be a little too high for your uh, comfort. Yeah, I get worried in Boston because we have hundreds of thousands of uh, of people working. I don't have the exact number, but I'm, I'm going to make an estimate. It's over, but I'll say, let's say 400,000 people that work in offices in Boston. And I think the number is a lot higher than that. Um, 25% of that's 100,000 people. Uh, bringing them all back in uh, at the same time uh, on top of construction, um, you know, concerns me because of um, transportation issues, uh, both public transportation and then people driving in. Uh, and then also bringing that many people in and, and making sure that companies have the proper uh, PPE, protective equipment, uh, making sure that the offices are set up for um, the, the social distancing inside the offices. So I think that 
giving that extra week allows us the opportunity in the city to come up with some plans to work with offices and office buildings on how they're going to handle uh, the influx of people coming into the city of Boston. Um, and Boston is, is uniquely positioned in some ways because uh, we double in size every day. Uh, you know, so when you think about the amount of people coming into work here, we double in size. So having that many people coming in here, even at 25% is, is a good amount right now. So uh, we're working, I'm going to encourage people as I'm doing this second to work from home and allow people to work from home and, and also protect vulnerable people, people that are over 60 years old, um, are, are more susceptible to the virus as far as having major health conditions with it, major health risks and possible death. Uh, and also uh, people that are sick. So I'm asking companies to be, be thoughtful on that and, and allow people the opportunity to stay home. So are you going to set a uh, kind of a, a ceiling on, on no, I was a number? That, I was asked that today uh, by Shama Sacchetti. Uh, I don't know if we're going to set a number per se, but um, you know, it, it, if we do, it'll be under 25%. I think people understand what I was talking about now. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to actually put a number 10, 15, 20, 20, one percent. I'm not sure, but we're gonna we're gonna keep continue to encourage people to allow people to work from home. And it seems like a lot of employers are are already encouraging people. You know, they're not all rushing back. In other words, to have everybody come back immediately. So uh, I think that you know, they're even if you allowed the 25 percent, it seems unlikely that you'd have like a hundred thousand office workers showing up on on June 1st in Boston. That's true. And, and you get companies like Liberty Mutual and and, and uh, State Street. Mass Mutual, uh, they've already pretty much said, they've said that, you know, it's summertime. Um, so they're taking a different approach. And, right. But they also have the resources to be able to, to change office configuration, things like that. Smaller companies might not have that ability, so we want to be able to give them some ideas on how to do it. For example, City Hall here, we're having conversations now about at some point we have to reopen, right? Uh, we're open two days a week now, and, and as more people come into Boston, we'll have to be open seven, five days a week. So we're thinking about how do we even handle our own workforce? Uh, and how we make sure that our own workforce um, feels safe and comfortable coming back to work. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this whole crisis has been talked about often as kind of a, a, an enormous first of all crisis of health and public health, but also an economic crisis and it's sort of a balancing act. How do you feel when, you know, there's been criticism saying that, you know, your the sort of caution flag you've thrown up is kind of devastating for small businesses economically for working workers and and people who are struggling economically and that you're kind of turning a blind eye to that how does that strike well, you th this is a worldwide pandemic and world leaders around the country are doing the same uh, and and most businesses recognize that and understand the, the concern that's happening uh in the world right now this is not something that is boston only so when when somebody says you know marty walsh you're ruining the boston economy if, if somebody says that uh, well, I mean, that means every world leader in the countries, in their own countries, is ruining, ruining their economy. Um, this is a pandemic that that uh, we have lost here in Massachusetts. 6,066 people have died because of the virus. Um, we have 88,970 people as of yesterday have been impacted by the virus. Uh, we have, yeah, I think, in, in the world, there's over a million people have lost their life because of this virus. Um, and, and I think that, you know, it, we have to take it seriously. Um, and, and I'll tell you, for companies that want to hurry back to work, that's fine. But if your employees get sick, then you don't have employees there. And that's going to happen. People are going to get the virus and they can't go to work with the virus. And they're going to be out for 20, 14 to 28 days, depending on how long they have it. And I think that, you know, um, that, that's another issue that, that we have. All of these people in Massachusetts, um, the 88,000 people, 89,000 people, they're all employees somewhere. And, and, and if they were at work while well, they had the virus, they didn't infect the whole office. So, I mean, so I think it's, 
it, we have to have thoughtful approaches to how do we shut things down and how do we open things back up. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, nobody would minimize at all the, the toll that, that the virus has taken, but I wonder what you make of sort of where Boston is positioned, I guess compared to some other big cities, certainly compared to New York, nothing really compares, but even in Massachusetts, there are like a, a number of communities that on a per capita basis have really been ravaged. And Boston has, uh, you know, certainly areas with comparable demographics, a lot of service sector workers or essential workers who've had to be out there, a lot of uh, tightly packed housing, the kinds of conditions that people have identified as kind of part of the reason why Chelsea, for example, has been hard hit, so hard hit in other places. But when I looked at the, the most recent data, in terms of per capita, Boston's rate is, uh, you know, it's considerably lower. It's actually, I, believe it or not, I was just scanning through Bra Braintree as a higher per capita rate uh, per, per hundred thousand uh, than, than, than Boston. And I just wonder, what do you, what do you think of the city's ability to keep things as the major city of the Commonwealth from, from sort of exploding to the degree that they, they might have. I think a lot of people paid attention and paid attention to the physical social distancing. Um, not everyone wears masks, but more and more people are wearing masks every day. Um, people, you know, in, in the neighborhood I walk around and I don't walk downtown because I'm in the office and I go home, but when I go for a walk on the weekends or something like that, uh, you know, people really are keeping their distance. Um, you're seeing people cross the street when somebody's walking down the street. You know, you're seeing that stuff happening. Uh, people are, you know, with the, with the non-availability of cleaning products, people are buying the cleaning products to clean down the surfaces and things like that. They're very vigilant on that. Um, I think people are washing hands and doing mm -hmm. what things they're supposed to be doing. I think that helps. We, we're the third most populated city um, per capita in the United States of America, New York, San Francisco, and Boston. So you think about, I think- You mean like the density, I density, guess, right? Yeah. Right. We've done some good work there. Um, and I can't speak to the other cities and towns around Massachusetts, but there are on the other side of those, there are some, there are some towns that have very small numbers of, of coronavirus. And, you know, the concern that they should have is when we open up Boston, their constituencies and their, 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 um, their uh, citizens come into Boston and you'll see the numbers spike in some of those areas. So right. it's a tricky situation. I mean, there's, there's no magic kind of formula for this. Right. Um, and it's kind of like, I think you, you, you begin the question by talking about compared to other cities, I assume you're going to say in America, a lot of us are sharing best practices. You know, we talk on the phone quite often. I spend a lot of time on the phone uh, talking to other mayors around the world, around the country, Eric Gossetti in LA and, mm -hmm. and Jenny Durkin and, and, and Stevie Benjamin in Columbia, South Carolina. So we talk, Brian Barnett from Rochester Hills, we talk a lot uh, about what's happening. And generally the story is the same. The beginning, there was a big spike and then that leveled off. And we all have the same thing. Now, as we transition into working in, in this environment, um, it'll be interesting to see how that spike goes and how we handle that spike. Speaking of that, there's been, you know, a lot of question about what's going to happen with colleges and universities. They obviously uh, are an enormous presence in the city. They bring tens of thousands of students here that are vital to the, to the life of the city. But there's a lot of questions about what they're going to do in the fall. Do you talk a lot to those leaders and are you worried that you know they're talking about at least wanting to have some on-campus presence but there are some you know health experts that worry that they could be set up for you know kind of part of a sort of a fall autumn you know spike or resurgence well you know listening to the experts they're all telling us that there's going to be a resurgence in the fall um that's what we keep hearing 
Um, and I think that that is based off of as these plans around the country go into effect or people going back to work, um, you know, governor has four phases, fourth phases around the fall. So by that point, we're, we're, the, the intention, I think, is to have full employment going on in the state. Uh, with that, obviously, a lot more interacting with people, and you're going to see that's where the spike comes from. I think to go to, go to college universities, we've had several meetings with them um, over the last um, last two months. Um, some colleges have kind of, I don't want to say they're breaking away from the pack, but they're breaking away from the pack a little bit. Boston College. <laughs> College Northeastern, um, kind of Northeastern did it, and Boston College are doing it. Uh, and I think BU's announcing some things today as far as what they want to do with their students if they haven't done it already. Yeah. So, you know, I, the, the thing is, I think when you look at a college, when I think of a college, I look at it two ways. One, it, it is a business uh, and, they, and they have operating costs and they have overhead and they have debt um, and they have to pay that debt down. And if, if they don't have students, that's their customer. Right. There's concern so, that some of them could really be in, in yeah. jeopardy. That, that doesn't go away. And even, even ones with decent endowments, I mean, that's the endowment is like the rainy day fund. You're not supposed to be using right. to close the budget gap. Right. So, so at the same time, you don't want them to be kind of the cause of, or part of contributing to a resurgence in the city. And, and the other thing I've heard is that everybody keeps talking about what is it going to be possible to do with their students. They've got enormous staff of faculty and staff members, you know, that range in age, but certainly go up into folks into their fifties and sixties. So, yeah, they have a lot of big decisions in front of them. Basically, on the calls I've been on with them, their focus is, is, is public transportation going to be able to handle the capacity? What do we do with on-campus housing? And is, are we okay with them potentially releasing a hotel to have additional dorm space, which we are fine with? How are they going to set the classrooms up? Um, and how are they going to make sure the social distancing, physical distancing in the classrooms mm -hmm. uh, and also the faculty uh, obviously I have concerns I want to make sure they're safe but that's really an issue they're gonna to have to address with the faculty uh, are faculty gonna be comfortable you're right I mean when I was in, I went to Boston College at night um, you know a lot of my professors were, were older um, and, and I'm assuming fell in that category of 16 above uh, and they're at a higher health risk so um, they have to be careful too so there's, there's still a long way to go I mean you can announce you're gonna open in August uh, but if you from from announcing to actually happening, yeah, it happens. Yeah, I keep feeling that way too. That you know, whatever they say, everything is comes with a big, a big asterisk. That you know, that it's all pending the sort of you know developments between now and then. What's interesting, Michael, is 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 that in this you know, COVID, we've been we've been in this situation for a little under three months now. The situation we're in today, um, and the, the thing for me. It, it changes every week. There's new benchmarks, there's new, new, uh, new um, ideas or new challenges that happen. And there's been no two consistent weeks to stay. Right. And even like, you know, you, you watch the CDC, that their messages have been very, in some cases, inconsistent uh, in the messaging they have. Um, doctors have different opinions. And it's kind of like, it, to some degree, it's still somewhat of a guessing game you show you're making the right decisions. Yeah. No, I mean, I think your point about that, I was just going back over uh, some of the milestones or events, you know, in preparation for talking to you. And there was a point around the time when the, when the marathon was canceled that you were, you know, and then with the reschedule is for September. And at that point you said, uh, I'm just looking at here, this might be the first event that brings us back to some normalcy looking ahead to have it in the fall. That was, you know, whatever, a month ago. Now, I think there's pretty serious questions about whether that's going to be possible. 
Okay. But like, go, go, go back two weeks from the marathon cancellation. I was in Chinatown saying it's okay to eat in Chinatown. Right. Now it's not yeah, okay it, to eat anywhere. It, it, <laughs> it, like, it, it went, it's almost gone, it's gone full circle. And it's right. kind of like, we, we, and at that point we had one case, one case of coronavirus in Boston, a gentleman, young man who went to school at, uh, uh, at, um, UMass Boston, right? UMass Boston. And, 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 and Biogen hadn't happened yet. Right. And then right. next week Biogen happens. And then, you know, mm-hmm. the very short period of time. So February 1st, we have one, one person, uh, March 4th, I think it was, we had three, two, one plus two. And then March 6th was, we had six more and then it just took off. What do you think about the marathon? People think it's pretty unlikely. Do you think that at this point? What, the marathon? Yeah, to have it in September. How I don't, can that be you know, the case? I actually have to have a, I have had one call with the BAA. We're going to have another call I think, uh, next week uh, and talk about it. I mean, I think that there's a lot of marathons, uh, Chicago, um, some other ones that are still on the docket right now, and, and they haven't been canceled yet. And, and I think that who knows where we're going to be in that situation. The, the, the issue on the marathon, the decision has to be made fairly soon because they invite runners and the elite runners have to train and prepare for it. So right. what, what they're concerned about, and there is a, there is a training process. Um, so you can't just like cancel the marathon, um, you know, 10 days before the race. It has to be thought, out, thought through. Sure. So I think decisions on that will be, will be made fairly soon. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how this whole thing has been uh, for you as the, as the leader of the city? I imagine when you ran for mayor, you know, you knew it's this enormous job. You probably think through just an incredible range of crises and issues that you can deal with as a mayor. And I'm guessing, I don't know, this probably wasn't one of them. No, when I was running for mayor and thinking about being the mayor, I think, I think um, the two big things that were in my head as far as, as, far as major impacts in the city um, immediately were it was violence and how do you keep violence down the city? And then a terrorist attack like the Boston Marathon that happened uh, the year before I became the mayor and, and I, when I was running for mayor, when we were all running for mayor, I should say. Um, and, and you think about that and you think about how you handle a situation where a young person gets killed or uh, something goes, something like the marathon bombing happens. And, and then, and then when you become the mayor, you, the biggest crisis is, you know, individual crises. How do you create more affordable housing? How do you make sure the economy continues to move forward? How do you carry out your plans? And, and the last thought in my mind, it wasn't even a thought in my mind was that, we were going to be dealing with a worldwide pandemic. Just never right. thought of it. Even when I first heard of the coronavirus uh, in Wuhan, never thought of it coming here. It just didn't enter my mind. Right. Didn't think about it. Um, and realizing now, um, I don't think you can ever be prepared for a pandemic per se because they're different. The viruses and what you're dealing with are different. But understanding that, you know, there was no roadmap and, and the I couldn't even talk to my predecessors or governors in the past to say like, how would you, how do you handle this? They didn't deal with it. Right. And the last right. time Mayor of Boston dealt with this was 1917, 1918. He's probably not around to talk to. And he's not around. So I think it was Honey Fitz. So, oh, uh, there you go. so, so um, I'll have to check that and see who the mayor was then. You used to be able to go talk to his picture at Doyle's. He can't even do that anymore. Can't even do that anymore. So that's gone. So, so you think about, so, so I think, how, do, how, how am I handling this? You know, the one thing about this that's uniquely interesting is that I'm governing and it, it's, 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 oh, it's life and death. And, and the decisions we make have to be quick. Uh, they have to be precise and they have to be, and you can't second guess it and you can't worry about what people are going to say. So when you asked what? me earlier about people being upset with me because of the economy, 
I mean, there's nothing I can do about that. I mean, it's a, it's not, it's not the economy versus public health. It's public health and the economy. And, and, and my number one job is to keep people safe. And, and what I've been able to do here over the last, you know, ten weeks or so is govern uh, and, and mostly, mostly coronavirus. That we've in some meetings here and there. And it's really been about, you know, creating a system to deliver a million meals. It's been about getting 30,000 Chromebooks to kids. It's about making sure that people have access to internet service. It's about making sure that our vulnerable populations, including our homeless populations, protected. Making sure that our seniors are being fed. Uh, making sure that our public safety officials are still doing their job while keeping them safe at the same time. You know, all of these different aspects of it have been interesting because we're working on all these things. And we've made a rule in here that an issue comes up within 24 hours, we have to have an answer. And it might take a little longer to carry it out, but then within 24 hours, have an answer. So I'll give you an example. So when we did the um, rental relief fund, we set it up, we, we put money in it, we set it up, we took applications, and in, in, in three weeks, we started giving money out. It seemed like three years because we got a bad story saying, oh, some people criticize us. Well, the money's not getting out quick enough. We did it in three weeks. We are in God's name. Have we ever done anything in government, setting up a process, accept applications, get money out the door in three weeks? Right, right. Yeah. When you say that you've got to make kind of decisions, it's life and death and just no second guessing. What other, what have been really tough moments where you didn't have the luxury to think it over for a month, but you had to make a call? I mean, I think in the beginning, um, you know, might not seem like a big deal now, but canceling the St. Patrick's Day Parade was a big deal for the community of South Boston. Sure. The history there has been, for me anyway, I mean, I marched in the parade years ago, and out of the seven years of me being mayor, we've had three snowstorms. Right. <laughs> we've had to shorten the route, and I got criticized for that. Uh, we fought to let the gay community march in the parade. Right, right. You know, and then this year I had to cancel it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, I don't know about the parade. That's been nothing but trouble for you. And this year I had to cancel it. I'm like, how? And when I canceled it, some people went on Facebook saying he wouldn't cancel the Dot Day parade. Ah, well, well that's, that's done too, right? That's newsflash, that's gone. Right. Uh, but but, but yeah. like, that was a difficult decision at the very beginning. And then the yeah. gone. And then, you know, then we realized the seriousness of it. So the decisions weren't as difficult, but it was yeah. kind of like, how do you close restaurants, but still allow them to potentially survive by giving the takeout? And yeah. Restrictions. And what's your day like? Can you talk a little about that? I mean, you're, I see you're, you're there now, you're in City Hall, and I know you're there some of the time, but how does, it, how does it work for you? My day, every single day is the same, but it's very different. What I mean by that is every morning I get up, obviously, and I take a shower, I get in the car around, you know, 7.30, and I come into work. Most days on the way into work, I'm on the phone talking to a radio station about coronavirus. I have an 8 o'clock call every morning that uh, is a crisis response call that we talk about the day before and today and how we're going to move forward. And who's on that or how many? Uh, it's, about, it's about 90 people on it. 90? Wow. 90, yeah. Uh, about 10 people have an active role in speaking in it, but the, you know, so we talk about, we talk about uh, current hospital capacity. Uh, we talk about current shelter capacity. We talk about public health. We talk about PPE and, and, and the personal protective equipment for our first responders. And, and we're doing a lot now with our nursing homes and, and assisted living facilities. Uh, we talk about the economics of it, meaning uh, what we're working economic wise on this thing. Uh, we talk about, I'm trying to think what else, food, food is a big part of the conversation. We talk about communications, uh, and then, then we kind of fill in other things. So it's an hour, it's an hour, Saturday ends at nine. 
Wow. So that kind of sets the course for the day in some ways. We've done that seven days a week. The only, the only days in the last eight weeks that we've missed was Mother's Day. We gave Mother's Day off to folks. Because a lot of mothers don't call, so we said, okay, you're not. So it's eight o'clock every morning. Um, Sundays we do 10 o'clock. And you're doing that on the weekends? Um, are you often doing it from Saturday, home? Sunday, we do the call. Yeah. Every, every single day. Saturday, eight o'clock, Sunday at 10. And um, how do you, I don't know, when do you sort of check out at the end of the day? Do you, and, are you able to unwind a little? Those are the day. So it's only, we're still in the morning. So yeah, we'll, we'll keep going. So 9.30, we have, a, we have a hospital call to talk about Boston Hope with the governor, and they talk about the other, the other. Uh, standing, stand, freestanding facilities at Western Mass and in Worcester. Uh, at 10 o'clock every day, Monday through Friday, we have a call with the city council. Um, I've done it for the last eight weeks. We talk about, I give them an update on where we are in COVID. We talk about different ideas and best practices and share them as best we can. Um, at 10.30, generally, then my day is just filled with, with meetings and calls, mostly calls. Occasionally, there's a, you know local TV wants to do some. I do press conference three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, just to give them up to people who want the updates. Um, and then uh, I'll do, I'll get a lot of requests for national news. The CNN and MSNBC predominantly, I've been averaging about three, three times a week on CNN. Not, not so much Fox News, huh? They're not calling you? Oh, uh, Fox News, uh, they, 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 were, they, they talked about me the other day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not nicely, maybe. <laughs> Call me a nice name. Uh, oh. <laughs> that was funny. Um, and, and then, and then uh, you know, and then at night I've been doing a lot more Zoom calls with community organizations and groups and, I get home probably around seven-ish and, you know, have dinner and, and then I'm on the phone a lot all night. Uh, one of the shows I'm binge watching right now, Ozark. Oh, yeah. My wife's been watching that. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's so, pretty crazy. It's, crazy. <laughs> it's insane. So I've been binge watching that and then uh, well, I'm almost done. Two more, three more shows left and then I'll have to find a new one. And, and I've been watching uh, the 70 Bruins Stanley Cup and the Celtics in 81 and I mean, the Patriots, this is so fresh in our head that we don't have to watch it. Although the 86 Super Bowl was on the other day. So I, <laughs> I watched the first eight minutes of it. We were in the game for the first eight minutes. Yeah. And how about like, uh, like I know and early on, there was sort of a story that, you know, you would stop by and see your mom, even though you were already mindful of it. Uh, there was a story that you brought her yeah. something, but you wouldn't hand it to her. You put it down. You told her to wipe everything down. Is that changed? Do you still uh, pop her, in and I see her? I watch her every day. And, and I generally see her on uh Saturday and or Sunday or both sometimes. You know, I'll just go over, bring her a coffee, say hi to her to the door. Um, you know, because she's at, she's at a, an age and a health risk that, that God forbid, um, you know, I don't want to give her, I don't have the COVID, but I would You've been to. tested? I just got tested last week and, and I got tested, uh, tested for the COVID, tested for the antibody. I haven't oh. gotten the antibody back yet, but um, I, I asked my doctor early on if I should get the COVID test. And um, I felt guilty about getting it because it was in the beginning where the tests weren't readily available. So he did, he did, I did take one last week. And so now when you go see her, you're saying you don't go oh, in her apartment and hang out there? You don't know. I mean, I don't, right. I don't interact with a lot of people. Um, just, just the people here in the office and, and we've been the same team here from the very beginning. So we, we all are very cautious of, of interaction because there's work to be done. So I, I like, I haven't done a public event. I've been invited to a couple, but like, even my press conferences, I don't, do them in other places. I, I stick, you know, the right. governor does that. Uh, I stick to City Hall. I just find it important that if I'm going to tell people that, you know, they have to social, physical distance, how can I do the opposite? Right. And you mentioned you a lot of mayors and people you talk to. How often do you talk to the governor, would you say, on average? I talk to the governor probably five times, six times a week, maybe depending on the week. Um, yeah. In the beginning, we talked a lot. Um, and then um, in the middle, we talked some. We're on a lot of similar call, calls together, too. 
So I don't, you know, I don't like to bother them. We've talked a couple times just to have, just check in on each other, kind of do yeah. the checks, see how we're doing. Because I think it's important. Because it's a, you're in this business. In the beginning, everyone is is giving you credit. Oh my God, you guys are great, working so hard and moving fast. And, and now, when the more complicated decisions come on, the the compliments are, you know, not necessarily always there. So right. And is and how is it? Uh, I mean, do you feel sort of drained by it? And I just wonder how it's affected you personally. Do you know people who've been? Yeah, affected by the by the virus. I, I do know people are affected by it. I know people. You, Steve Allen, right? And I know, and our pal yeah. also from Dorchester, uh, 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 Mike Mackin. Mike Mackin. Uh, Mike Mackin had it. His mom died. There are times where 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 where, where you have a, a, it impacts you more than others. I mean, uh, I am also popping into Zoom AA meetings, so it's helping me stay grounded. You know, and that's a great thing for me personally as a, as a recovering alcoholic. Um, not everyone has that, but you know, th- there are times like last weekend. Oh no! This week, um, yesterday, um, you know, I went home and I left here at four thirty, and I, I was just done. And I yeah. went home, sat on the porch, and, and, and uh, I ended up going on the phone later that night. But sometimes right. you just you just drained. Um, Absolutely. You're drained. You're not physically, you're not physically. I mean, physically, you're not really working hard. You're not working out, but um, mentally, you can, it can be draining. I mean, one last thing. I just wonder if you've sort of thought about. There's been a lot of talk about. You know, we've been in this period of this incredible urban renaissance that, you know, Boston's been at the, really at the forefront of. There are a lot of American cities that haven't enjoyed the, the comeback that Boston has. But Boston's just been on a tear for a couple of decades. And now there's been this talk that, you know, that maybe everything about the kind of renaissance of, of urban areas is all over and that people are going to look to scatter and, and move to the hinterlands or the suburbs and that and the days of you know the sort of dark days ahead for for american cities i just wonder how you think about that i don't believe, i don't i don't agree with tom Keene. <laughs> well he's not the only one i mean i know what you're talking about former uh, city councilor no, who wrote that but, I, I but there's been other big big thinkers ed glazer uh, you know harvard economist who's written a lot about cities and he's been one of the kind of cheerleaders for the vitality of cities there's been so much talk about how cities and, and Boston's again really benefited from this idea of the innovation economy that that having people in close proximity it's been fertile ground for for all the dynamic developments in the economy that we've really benefited from. I, I don't I don't think I don't think that, that this is going to cause a one uh, a 1980 uh, migration to the 128 belt. I don't think this will cause that. I think people still want to be in the city. I think young people still want to be here in the city. The cities where it's happening, and not just here in Boston, but around the country, that you know, there's a there's a stat. I think it's in 15 years, uh, maybe even less than that, 10 years, 90% of the world population is going to live in a city, uh, roughly. I think that's the number, roughly. That um, you, I, I don't think that I don't think that's going to change much. I think people still want to be here. Um, I think the fact that you know we've been able to address the issue of the virus and have the safety nets in place so quickly for so many different areas. I think that that's that's key, uh, and I don't I don't think we'll see that. I think that my my concern when I say concern is how quickly can our economy bounce back? And I think the right. fact that you know when the coronavirus was first talked about, you know all the experts said that it'll it'll be by the end of the summer will be gone, and clearly people are saying it's going to be here until late fall into probably early next year. So I think that's the one thing we have to try and figure out. And I think you know two months from now when you and I are talking on the same uh, podcast uh, podcast, I hope that. We're, we're almost back to employment and the numbers are still down, even with the majority of the people not having the virus. And I think it's going to be incumbent upon all of us to be disciplined, to, to be very cognizant of not spreading the virus. But you've got to be worried, though, about 
the sort of life of the city in terms of like restaurants, there's a lot of feeling that a yeah. lot of these are just not going to be able to come back. I mean, again, I see that not to be too parochial with our listeners, but in our little corner of Dorchester, there's been a lot of great places that have popped up. And just from hearing this scuttlebutt out around my neighbors, there's real concern about them. And I'm, you just sort of extend that out. That's true across the city. Uh, it's true for other retailers that, that have been shuttered that, you know, again, we hope a lot of them will come back, but not all of them will. But we could see a period of, you know, some, some empty spaces and, and, and kind of a less vital, you know, sort of street life and business districts. No, you're absolutely right. And just for the listeners, Michael and myself live about a mile apart from each other. And 10 years ago in that mile, we probably had four or five restaurants. And, you know, 10 years later, we probably have 20. It's uh, amazing. Within, within a radius of ours that can, we can walk to a, a short drive through. Um, and, and they're fairly new. And, you know, you're absolutely right. I'm, I have concerns about our restaurants. And, and it, it's going to go down. It's going to come down to not the product they serve, but what's the feeling of people. Do people feel safe going back into exactly. restaurants? Exactly. Exactly. That's what it's going to be. And, and, again, it's going to be about physical social distancing. And if we can continue to stop the spread of the virus, physical distance, and take care of ourselves, then we bring confidence back. I think the question is going to be, I think the biggest thing, one of the areas I'm worried about in Boston and the country, quite honestly, is tourism, because tourists um, are potential future business operators in our city. People come to the city, they get educated here, or they, or they come here for visits, and they see Boston, they see the vibrancy of our city, and next thing they, they want to have businesses here, or they want to live here and work here. I'm concerned about tourism. I'm, con I'm concerned about our hospitality industry. Uh, I don't have an answer for that today. Uh, I think that you know we're, we're working on some stuff now to think about it, but it's going to come down to putting confidence back into the public to be able to come back to you know a baseball game or a hockey game or going to a restaurant when they feel safe they can do it. I mean that's ultimately going to be the test for us um, as far as uh, not just like the officials but all of us as society. How do we know we can get through this? How do we know when we're through this? I think that's going to be the biggest sign. All right. Well, hey, Mayor Marty Walsh, thank you so much for uh, talking to us on the podcast. Appreciate it a lot. We'll do it again and uh, be well. All right, but you too.